Well, good morning, everybody, um, and thanks for joining us. Uh, happy to see you guys on this uh, Friday, the 10th of March, and welcome to the localization fireside chat this morning. Uh, I am honored and uh, pleased to have with me uh, Carrie Fisher. Uh, Carrie Fisher, thanks for joining me this morning. A little bit about Carrie, just to give you a bit of an introduction so everybody who doesn't know you, and I assume everybody knows you, but just to give you a little bit of an introduction. Uh, Gary Fisher is the Globalization Service Manager at Subway. Uh, Subway is headquartered in uh, Milford, Connecticut. She's responsible, responsible for all globalization-related strategies for the company. She has over 28 years of experience in the localization industry. She has held various positions uh, related to the localization industry in, for example, bodybuilding.com, Hyperion, which is Oracle, and Transparent Language. She's a volunteer at Women in Localization. Actually, she's the president of the Women in Localization Association. Congratulations, Gary. And the co-chair for the Women uh, in Leadership, ERG, and a mentor. Her passion includes helping others and continually learning in order to grow uh, personally and professionally. And thank you, Carrie, again for, uh, for uh, coming online with me this morning and uh, recording this podcast and the, and the video, video broadcast. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, just uh, to get to kick us to kick start the conversation, I guess, uh, Carrie, um, how did you get into the um, the localization business? What drove you to? What passion stirred inside of you to be in the localization industry? What got you here? You must have Accident. a story. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people, you know, back in the day, you know, when localization was uh, not a term that people even knew or or understood what it meant. Um, when I was working for Transparent Language, we sold software that helped people learn different languages. So we sold, I think, French, Spanish, German, and, and Japanese. Um, and it was a unique way for people to uh, learn a language by just by reading text, by reading stories, by reading articles. Um, and then we took that concept and kind of flipped it and said, well, why don't we take this concept, sell it in French-speaking countries, German-speaking countries, you know, Spanish-speaking, and, and Japan. And uh, then we realized, well, we have to translate this software somehow in all the menu items and the, the user guide, the, the box. Back in the day, it was software, right? Um, and they, you know, the company was like, well, who's going to do this? And I said, well, I will. And uh, that's that's how I got into it. And you know, back then, th there was no Google, there's no search engines. You know, you kind of flip through the yellow page, found found translation companies, and uh, and they did the rest. There was no concept of um, translation memory. It was just starting. You know, back in the '90s, it was just starting. But yeah, that and that's that's how I got into it. And I so it started with the passion for languages. I have a degree in French. I took Spanish. I took Russian in college. It was just uh, and so this was a natural progression to get into this great opportunity of uh, a foreign language learning software program, and then having to localize it in ninety, you know, four or whatever it was, ninety five. Uh, that's how I I fell into the industry and. You know, went to my first Lisa conference in Boston, and you remember Lisa, right? I do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I met, you know, this uh, huge 
figure of a, of a person, Renato Beninato <laughs> and Karina, uh, you know, it was, it was really interesting. It was a great, um, great experience, great, great introduction to the localization industry. You know, funny you mentioned uh, the names that, that we commonly know and we commonly come across and, you know, um, and some people in our industry, they have so much passion that resonates with you. You know, I know you and I talked only probably once or twice, but the every conversation we've had, it resonated with me because um, there's so much passion in our in our hearts for the industry and for the people that we want to help and we want to. And this is what localization services is about: is to help others understand and communicate. Yeah. Um, and we're all uh, you know, the same birds of a feather, right? We're we all have the the. You're right. It's the same passion, and I think that's why we all get along, and we we all you know love to work with each other and. Uh, it's just a, it's been a great industry to get into. And, and, you know, when young people come to me and say, what, what is localization? What is the industry? I'm like, well, let me tell you. About it. <laughs> well, great. Um, I know you have, um, you, be, you, you, you became a president, uh, you were, uh, for, uh, the women in localization. Tell me a little bit about, um, that and your vision for the association and where do you see a, the association, what do you like to accomplish in the short term, long term, et cetera? What's your, uh, what's your view on this, if you don't mind? Yeah, I, I got into women in localization when it was first formed in 2008. I happened to live in Silicon Valley at the time. And we started to get together informally, uh, meeting at, you know, people's houses or people's places of work or bars or, you know, um, <clears throat> and very specifically, talking about uh, issues that affected us as women and how they were, they're different than, than issues that affect men. We, we have sometimes this double-edged sword of, you know, if, if somebody calls us, you know, assertive, uh, we're kind of seen as bitchy or, you know, <laughs> whereas if a man is seen as assertive and, you know, going for what he wants. Well, that's, he's a certain, it's, it's a good thing, you know? So there's, and if you become a mom, God forbid, uh, there's the, the, you know, what's called the mommy penalty. And uh, so it, we have different issues that um, aren't addressed and why would they be with, you know, a mixture of, of men and women in the room. So um, the founders, the three founders saw a need for just women to get together and understand specific challenges, wins, um, and it became something I really enjoyed. It was a celebration of, of, of other people's accomplishments and learning from, from their challenges. Um, and so, and then I became a board member, the first board member in 2011, I think. And, but then I had to, then I moved to Idaho for, for a job and there was no concept of chapters it was, you know, it was Northern California women in localization. Uh, and then when I got back into it a few years ago, we had nine programs. There was like 26 chapters throughout the world. I was like, what? <laughs> I had not kept up with it. And, uh, and someone brought me back in, Kristen uh, Gutierrez, and said, hey, uh, you know, would you want to get back into women in loc and, you know, work in my program? I'm like, program. What are you talking about? So it was so great to see how far it had come. 
we're such a virtual global organization now. And mm -hmm. I kind of had different positions. So I, I started as a liaison, um, liaising between a couple of different programs. And then they asked me to be the Americas Geo Manager. So I would I wouldn't manage the Americas chapters. I would just help them if they if they needed help and, and coach them and guide them. And then uh, the program director of Global Community, which was newly formed a couple of years ago. Then the board member, the board sponsor of Global Community, and then I was asked to, to be the president for 2023. So, um, wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Exciting. So, uh, what, what what a journey! So, um, congratulations! It's, thank it's you. An achievement, uh, and you and you can see the trajectory when you have passion into something. I was doing yeah. a podcast yesterday, and somebody was asking me, like, you know, what is your advice for uh, uh, you know success? I said, you got to have passion about what you're doing. I mean, if you don't have yes. passion, so how do you determine passion? So, the, that's the second question, the follow up question. So, how do you determine passion? So, ask yourself the question: Can you do it for free? Oh, but everybody needs to make money. I said, well, that's okay. Everybody needs to make money. But just when you're thinking by yourself driving or getting a coffee together, just ask yourself a question. This job that you're in, would you do it for free? And if the answer is yes, that means you're in the right job. Of course, you're going to get paid. Your people are going to pay you salaries. That's not going right. to go anywhere. But you got to right. do some soul searching to become successful. And you've demonstrated that. You've, you've, you're a big evidence of this. Uh, the know, second question I have on it took me a while to to understand what my passion was, and it's when I started volunteering again that I realized, um, oh my God, I love this! I love mentoring, I love uh, giving back and, and volunteering, and it's it took me in, you know I'm 54. It, it took me into my 50s to understand uh, why we were kind of put here, right? You know, to, right. I think we're here to to be of service and. Right. It takes maturity and age, I think, to finally mm -hmm. figure that out. But I, I'm yeah. trying to instill it in the younger generation. And, and you know what? We're on the same wavelength. And, you know, one of the things I did not mention earlier in this conversation is the purpose of this channel is to give back. Uh, because it's not sponsored by anybody. It's me doing it, you know, on the, uh, on, in addition to all the other responsibilities that I have. And, um, you know, I feel like this industry has been so good to me over the years. Yes. And I would like to, hopefully, these conversations that we're having today will somebody will benefit from them down the road. Uh, and this is this is what the whole purpose is about this one. And you notice that you know the young generation that's coming into the industry, you know the technology they're using, the process they're using. It's a little different than what you and I have seen over the years and how the industry has progressed. And they need something. I I believe. The new generation is going to be replaced us at some point. They need yep. something to look to, to look for and say, oh, okay. So I, I have a couple of nuggets of wisdom here that I can borrow and which, which is, this is the purpose of this, this channel. I love it. Thank you for so, doing it. So on your side, you know, from what is, what would be the, like your short-term goals for women in localization in the next uh, few months, a year, however you, however you portray that? Yeah, um, mentoring is a big passion of mine. And one of the uh, committees, teams under Global Community is mentorship. And so we are launching at the end of this month or first week of April, a mentoring software program for all of our members. It's 
automatic, right? So there's algorithms involved. We're not sitting here with spreadsheets like we used to do. Um, and mentors and mentees can be automatically matched. And then you get to chat with that person, meet with that person, see if it's a, if it's a fit, um, and then determine, you know, how long you want to meet for and how often. And uh, so all that will be automated. I think that's going to be huge for our members because I get asked all the time, you know, from new people entering the space, localization space, you know, what are your top three tips? My first tip is find a mentor who's been in the industry at least 10 years. It's important, I think, to have some history there. Um, unless potentially you're in sales, right? And maybe it's more about sales techniques, but anyway. Um, so that's one, I think, huge thing for our members. Uh, this year, we're gonna focus on other nonprofits, you know, do have a little philanthropy effort and give back to other communities that uh, are struggling, especially those in need, young girls, young, young women who don't have access to basic hygienic, you know, products, let's say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having, giving them the ability to continue to go to school and, and learn no matter uh, what time of the month that is, it's, it's really important. And right now there's so many young women struggling with that basic need. And I think we, we take that for granted uh, in this country and, and, you know, first world countries. So um, there's gonna be that. Um, we're doing a lot of internal things. We have an amazing board. And, uh, you know, Olga Baragovaya, who is the VP and the board sponsor of technology, uh, incredibly innovative. And all the things that we've wanted to do for the last few years are now coming to fruition, whether it's internal training. We have an intranet. Oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> we don't have Good. to email somebody to onboard them. It's now just a, you know, a function within the internet. You click this, you click that, you fill something out, and the NDA is signed. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so those are just you know a, a few things that that are coming up, and of course we'll always have the the events, the uh, virtual events from Global Community, and we're we're focusing on different parts of the country. So our next event is going to be about India. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to have event an event of, around. Um, uh, you know, the, the Arabic speaking countries and, mm -hmm. and even Africa, because that's, you know, that's an, the next, what, billion users? Is that what the, you know, they're calling it? It's, uh, so, so for us, it's about empowering the women in those locations and um, as well as, you know, learning about the industry itself in those particular locations. Of course. So uh, the, in summary, uh, you like to support, and uh, it's very admirable, by the way, great goal uh, uh, to uh, reach out to the unfortunate and the people who do not have uh, what you said, you know, we take for granted sometimes here in the Western world, and to support the women in the, in those locations, you know, you know, you see some things, uh, your heart bleeds for it, and you sit, you know, you can't sit idle, and I'm very appreciative of the fact that uh, uh, women and localization championed by you, uh, Carrie, to take that 
you know, that big task, that big goal on, and if nothing else, to bring awareness, to support, to help uh, to the uh, issues that they're facing, um, uh, women are facing in those countries or those in those regions. Yeah. Uh, some of them, you know, for a variety of reasons, lack of education, you know, policies, systems, whatever they are, uh, we are at the end of the day, human deserve to be treated as equal as a human, uh, regardless of where you live. Yeah, and regardless of gender. And I think you're right, education is the key. Yeah. 100%. So thank you for this. Um, Moving on to another topic, which you and I have touched on uh, before, and it's sort of like I mentioned earlier, you know, some of the conversation we had, uh, you know, you have tons of conversation during the day and during the month and the year, but some of them, they stick with you, right? So one of them that stuck with me quite a bit when you and I talked, initially Mm -hmm. talked, and uh, that was my first introduction conversation with you, is the unconscious bias. And you, you sounded very passionate about this topic. For those the audience uh, with us this morning, they don't know what unconscious bias is. I did some Google search and I found the exact definition of what that is. So I'll read it quickly. Okay. So people who are not familiar with it, they at least you know, get, your, get the brain in the right, in the right uh, uh, frame of mind on, on this one. Unconscious bias is or implicit bias is a term that describes the associations we hold as a human, as people, outside of our conscious awareness and control. Unconscious bias affects everyone, and conscious bias is triggered by our brain automatically, making quick judgments and assessments on things or items that we probably haven't had a chance to even examine or understand clearly. So um, based on this definition and based on your deep understanding of the topic, you're very involved in this, Tell me a little bit more of your views on unconscious bias and how do we resolve something like this? I know education targets everything, but in your mind, is there an actionable items that people can do, A, our listeners can do, yeah. um, maybe a book they can read, maybe a blog, uh, maybe something that they can practice in their daily life to reduce the chances that we unconsciously uh, practicing uh, biases against somebody? Isn't it horrible that we all have this? This was an eye-opener for me as well. I didn't know what unconscious bias was until a few years ago. And I started digging as well, you know, and one of the events that we held last year um, was with a woman named Hillary Bass, who, um, you know, researches this and and presents on it um, just to bring awareness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's horrifying to think that we have these, you know, pre-disposed uh, prejudices, <laughs> but we all have them. And um, there's actually a, a test you can take um, provided by Harvard. And so if you, if you Google IAT test Harvard, um, they, you can take it and it's all, it's private, right? And nobody... The results don't go out to the the internet, right? And but you can see kind of where you are um, on the spectrum of of uh, unconscious bias, and you know, really, I think how to get over it is to be aware of it, to educate yourself on it, and then you know, as you make decisions, maybe it's about hiring. Um, or maybe it's about a proposal that somebody has proposed. Um, 
as you make your decision, ask yourself, you know, am I, do I have a bias here? Um, you need to check yourself and not, it's really easy, I think, to go with something called confirmation bias and you, you dig up evidence that support the bias that you already have. It's hard not to. Mm -hmm. Ask people to call you out on it and if they see it. And I think there's, there's comfort in knowing that everybody has this, whether it be about, you know, female, male, people of color, whatever it is, you know, we've all got something that is potentially, you know, holding us back from being more inclusive or, uh, you know, equity equal type of thing. Um, so some, some other things, you know, something that Subway did, which I, I absolutely love is we created um, employee resource groups. So ERGs, and I don't know how many we have, we have a lot. And I just happened to be this year, the co-chair um, of the Women in Leadership ERG. And we're the largest group, we're the largest ERG within Subway. And we really, we get together every other week. We, we talk about, you know, the challenges that we face. We, we get speakers in as well. But just recognizing that there are different groups that people identify with within your own company and breaking down the barriers that others have. So we, we have a, a Latinx, we have LGBTQA, we've got, you know, people of color, we've got young professionals, you know, it's, and more mm -hmm. groups are, are formed all the time. And I think just talking about these types of things uh, and the challenges that we face help break down our own unconscious biases that we've got and attending other people's events. Um, India puts together an amazing um, event every year. And I, I, I look forward to it every year. It's um, talking about the, the stereotypes that they deal with all the time. Yeah, those are the, the things that I can think of to, to help people with their own unconscious bias. Just knowing that we have them is really important and acknowledging them. And it's okay. Just work on getting it better. And, and one would wonder, like, uh, you know, how if, if, you know, I mean, I know people like various people go various things through life and they along the line, along the way, they gather in their in their subconscious, a variety of experiences and a variety of memories, et cetera, which, yeah. you know, they form the basis of judgment down the road, right? So totally. they can, how they judge. Yes. So, uh, you know, in, in, you know, one thing, it's almost like, almost like you need to, you need an eraser uh, to erase <laughs> all, the, all these negativities that you've carried along uh, and, and maybe not negativity, maybe positive things. I don't know. But maybe things that they're impl you know, implicating how you behave now, yep. maybe implicating how you make decisions today in yes. a neutral way. You know, not yes. necessarily that somebody has a certain skin tone, you, you automatically categorize them in a certain in a certain way. That makes no sense at all. But that's uh, what we do. We categorize people. Path. We can't help it. We all do it. That's right. That's right. So 
it does it does bring it it does bring the point of almost reformatting and being a tech guy reformatting the hard drive of somebody's head now to or, or brain to make sure that you know what you've learned when you were young put that aside and now um you gotta be in a you you gotta approach life and approach decisions specifically in business you cannot afford in business to be viewed as one-sided on any subject on any topic so it is it is one of those especially in the localization business where we serve a variety of 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 demographics languages countries it just makes no sense i know i know I read a statistic that um, due to the unconscious female gender bias, um, we're losing out globally on $28 trillion um, because women are not promoted to certain levels in companies and they have so much to offer and, uh, and are better at men at some things. Oh, um, I, I know, you know, hundred percent. I agree with you. I mean, uh, if we were to capitalize on the human talent, female, male, equally. Minorities. I mean, yeah. Yes. We would solve a whole bunch of problems in society. We really would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for highlighting this topic. I really appreciate it. Now, moving on to the next topic, which is um, you've been in the localization business for a while. Um, you've seen the localization business from the beginning of, you know, manual everything to now uh, we're talking about more automation, um, more hybrid environment, and sometimes pure tech environment. A, you know, question number one is what's your view on our uh, progression as a, as 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 an industry? And where do you see technology down the road from an evolution perspective? And what role does the human play in all this? Uh, That's huge. I know, eh? <laughs> Sorry, I should I should break the question into several pieces, but you, you can target from anywhere you want. Anyway, okay, want. okay. So you're right. You know, from 28 years ago when everything was manual, and you know, my email address was a bunch of numbers at CompuServe.com or whatever the heck it was. That was that was my email address. Oh, I remember those guys. <laughs> and then came AOL, and you know everybody else, but. Uh, and so, you know, from looking up translation companies in the in the yellow pages, uh, you know, in a phone book, uh, from uh, to the internet, you know, it's, today it's just a, a Google search away to find, you know, 150 companies that do what you're looking, some, you know, for someone to do. Um, I, I only see that as continuing, and mm-hmm. as we get better at figuring out how to manage the technology and and what it can be used for. You know, things will only get, I think, faster, potentially better and potentially cheaper. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the big buzzword is chat GPT, right? And so I, I actually attended something last week where you know, four experts in the technology field, which I am not, by the way, um, talked about chat GGP and, and the different um, uses for it potentially in the future. So it's, and my, of course my kid, I was so glad 
that I actually knew what chat GPT was when my 16 year old son said, mom, have you heard of this thing called chat GPT? Why, yes, yes I have, because <laughs> it's usually him teaching me about what's happening in the world of tech. Um, but he's absolutely fascinated by it and loves to challenge it. But anyway, so I think it's harnessing new technologies. There's gonna be new stuff coming up all the time. And it's just a matter of figuring out how it can work for our industry. Um, and, you know, which companies are, are gonna harness it first. And mm -hmm. there's probably so many different ways to do this. So I, I see that, but I can't help but look at my own experience within Subway. And I am seeing more and more uh, people interpreting services needed. Mm -hmm. um, even in Quebec, you know, we the new the new law passed last year. And Bill ninety six, the famous one. Ninety six, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is costing me a lot of money. No, um, and it's it, not the it, only one. No, I know, I know. And quite frankly, I mean, it should be. I, I'm sorry, I, I you know kind of side with with them on this, but uh, so what I'm seeing is the more and more need for in-person, you know, Zoom, whatever, interpreters. And uh, a chat GPT was, I don't think is ever gonna replace that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I see just a combination of both technology and, and people will never be out of the loop ever. You know, you're absolutely correct. I wrote a blog uh, in, well, three years ago, way before, you know, chat GPT became hip, <laughs> I would call it now. Oh, it is thing now. Um, and I always, uh, you know, uh, advocated to the fact that the language industry will always live in a hybrid environment, meaning that you need technology and you need a human. Yes. And for various reasons, for various reasons, you need them. You need them to customize. If if it's pure technology, you still need the linguist or the translator, the professional translator, to customize, to um, to tailor, to make sure that to inspect. To make sure that the machine, uh, or they, I should stop calling the machine now. People are gonna think I'm talking about Star Trek. But uh, you know, to to make sure that the technology is doing what it's supposed to be doing and accurately doing it. Um, and you never, you're never ever gonna lose that because for certain topics, I get it. You know, for certain low visibility content, I've, yes. I've completely. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you have a high visibility content and you have a uh, content that is sensitive to a certain extent legal, et cetera, pharmaceutical, healthcare, et cetera, you Absolutely. still need to validate this. You cannot afford a mistake in those, in those texts. Uh, Can you imagine I, if I, we translated our menus using AI, you know, subway series, how would that translate into, you know, however many languages, uh, yeah, any, you know, is a board ever going to be replaced by robots? No, you know, it's people, but we use technology, you know, like I said, Olga has been really helping us harness the technology so it makes our volunteer jobs easier. Mm. Uh, that's how I see as this, this symbiotic you know, relationship. And, and you know what? It's creating a new way of working in the localization industry. It's creating new skills. Yeah, um, yes, you, right. You know, you know, I was talking to um, you know, uh, somebody uh, yesterday or the day before, I can't remember now, and we were talking about you know, uh, the academia and the academic function uh, that the uh, university play in terms of supplementing the industry 
with professional skills to help and to drive the industry forward. Mm -hmm. But those programs have not really in, in a large, to a large extent, I mean, some universities are adapting, but for the most of it, we're still following, you know, a four-year degree program from, I don't know, uh, 30, 40 years ago. And now the technology that's coming online, the uh, new, uh, and, and it's not just the industry is forcing it. I mean, the consumer of those translation of the, of the content is forcing it to a large extent. I was uh, to, to adopt a new technology, to look for new ways to do things, right? So that's going to force now academia to tailor degrees specifically for those functions. So for instance, instead of coming in as a professional translator, you may be coming out of university as a post editor. Yeah. Maybe coming or a project up as a manager or a manager. technology person. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So so that's gonna open a, the door to look for to to a to get more resources because this industry, like any other industry, is starving for resources. Yeah. So it's gonna get some resources in that are more qualified to the new environment. Instead of taking an individual that was not professionally trained for this and now asking them to train for the new environment i think they find it a little hard and you know you, you, you know you know the story there a change is very hard to some uh some of our industry professionals because they're not it's not their fault because they were not really um designed for it for the lack of a better word they were not trained for it that's not what they went to university for mm -hmm. um you know god bless them i mean they some of the ones that i've, I've known and they're retired but they still do some uh translation work some of them, they still tell me about the days when they do translation using typewriters. So, you know, take that environment and put them into chat GPT. That's going to be a big change. Yeah, that is a big change. And it's, you know, even with these tracks, you know, and I'll, I'll cite MISS, right? The Middlebury, Middlebury Institute of International Studies in Monterey, California. You know, it's, it's a graduate school. It's a two-year program, but they have different tracks that people can, you know, take. If you want to be a linguist, you take this. If you want to be project manager, you take this. If you want to have a career in techno localization technology, which is great, but it's this challenge still remains when they get out with that degree. They don't have two years experience that everybody seems to require on the job applications. They don't have... 1 million words translated, you know, if they're going to be go down the linguist path. So, mm. you know, I also think it's up to us as industry veterans to help them bridge that gap, um, mm -hmm. whatever that might be, whether it's an, a paid internship, whether it's mentoring and giving projects, you know, at the same time to, to help them learn about, you know, TMS in the mm. real world. Um, yeah, there are several associations that they're launching. I know you mentioned mentoring earlier that Women in Localization is going to be launching, but um, there are several associations here in Canada. We use mentoring program quite a bit. Good. So when they graduate from university, they go under mentorship uh, with uh, a company or with whoever, um, maybe a, uh, an enterprise that has an internal localization team, etc. So the idea there is to indoctrinate them and to give them a little bit of a, a training on the new world, on the world that they did not see at university. And they need to, right. uh, there's a co-op programs, there's a bunch of things, right? Excellent. But that transition, that transition period that you mentioned between learning and being a professional in the industry is quite important. And yeah. this is where people like us need to help through this. I completely agree. And it's scary. It's scary for people graduating and going, now what? No, this absolutely. is what we can help them. Absolutely. So um, 
the last question I have is, is there any um, future plans for you? What's the big uh, ideas that you would like to chase in the next couple of years uh, for Carrie Fisher? Oh, boy. Uh, I'd like to continue to volunteer. Um, women in localization is near and dear to my heart. So I, I imagine I'll continue to volunteer there. Um, in terms of my career, uh, uh, let me put it this way. I don't tend to leave a company unless I'm no longer challenged. And let me tell you at Subway, <laughs> The challenges never end. So uh, I, I see myself there for quite a long time. I love it because it's constantly changing, to be honest. And there's a new challenge to overcome. To be honest, I have some old challenges that I still need to uh, figure out. But uh, so in maybe in the short term, I'll stay at Subway. I, I, I still love it. Although, you know, we are for sale. I don't know if you knew that. Um, yeah, the owners decided to, to sell the company. I think we're valued at $10 billion. So if you have that in your wallet, you, you know, you might be able to buy it. <laughs> uh, you know, I really, because I like helping different people, um, I can see myself someday, maybe freelancing, you know, going, uh, I do have my own consulting company, which is dormant right now, <laughs> as you can imagine, I have enough to do, but, sure. um, the ability to help different companies with their globalization needs is attractive to me. Uh, so maybe down the road, that's that's what I'll do. Well, I'm sure whatever you decide to do, you'll be a great success as you are right now, uh, Carrie. And I, uh, again, I uh, want to thank you for taking part of this conversation this, this morning. And I know it's early in Idaho, so thank you, thank you again. Uh, I hope you okay. come back and we'll have another conversation in a few months and get updated on uh, what would I call the status of the industry. I always love to share your views uh, with our audience. That'd be great. And if you could take the CSA research uh, survey that we, that just launched, we, we partnered with CSA and uh, you know, it's gender family and, and all that stuff. The last time we, it was out there was 2017. So it's always good to get new, you know, data for our yeah. industry and yeah. figure out where we are. So for our audience, plug, localization, yeah, I know. I love that. I love that plug there for CSA research survey. So uh, for those audience uh, who are listening to us from the localization industry this morning, please take the CSA survey. Okay. Um, and if you haven't done so already um, again, uh, thank you, Carrie, for being part of this uh, podcast for our audience. You can find us on YouTube on uh, localization uh, fireside chat. You can also find us on Spotify podcast at uh, Localization Fireside Chat as well. Thank you, Carrie. Uh, Thanks for our listeners. And thank you for uh, joining me this morning. Appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you.